There are two dilemmas that rattle the human skull. How do you hold on to someone who won't stay? And how do you get rid of someone who won't go? From Pod 617 Productions, it's Shine On, a presentation of Berkman, Botker, Newman, and Shine. Now here's your host, attorney Evan Shine. Episode 5 of the Shine On Podcast, I'm Evan Shine. We have a fun and absolutely incredible show today. As always, producer Dave, the legendary executive producer of the Shine On Podcast, He's on the other side of the glass. David, how are you? I'm great. I'm glad I'm an executive producer. I feel like I get a new promotion every episode. It usually doesn't come with a pay raise, but nevertheless, <laughs> nevertheless. You good. should take that up with your boss. Yes, I should. Yeah. Yes. Good to be back in the shine on cones of silence and just a great show. We do this thing kind of out of order. So you and I already know what happens in the interview. The listener doesn't know yet, but I agree with you. Fantastic. David, we have a tremendous guest today on the Shine Up podcast, Dr. Elizabeth Cohen, the divorce doctor. She is going to join us, and I'll tell you what, this is an interview that you do not want to miss. Dave, let's go ahead and do the docket. All right, let's do it. And now, let's see what's on the docket. Well, Evan... Your hometown newspaper, the New York Post, on guess what page? What page would be reporting on a celebrity divorce? I'm going to go out on a limb and say page six. Page six is correct. Yes. Um, sorry, I meant to give you that that sound effect. Anyway, it's Tim Robbins and his soon-to-be ex-bride. The Post reports that Tim Robbins has reportedly filed for divorce with wife Gratiella Brancusi which is surprising since no one knew the couple was married. Whispers began of a relationship between the actor, who's 62 years old, and Brad Cousy back in 2018. While neither confirmed their relationship, the couple has been spotted on several red carpets since. They've also spent quality time with Robin's adult children, who he shares with ex, Susan Sarandon. So, your thoughts? Dave, I'll tell you what. Anytime we can talk about Shawshank Redemption <laughs> here on the Shine On podcast, I love it. Look, that's why he gets, is, that's why he's getting divorced. He's getting busy living before he's getting busy dying, I guess. You, you said it. And look, <laughs> the, the fact that in this day and age, Tim Robbins was able to pull off having a secret wife that no one knew about. Yeah. This may be more impressive than sneaking a life size picture of Rita Hayworth in the <laughs> Shawshank and escaping from prison. <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe. In so. fact, look, Robbins was previously married to fellow star actress Susan Sarandon, and they have a couple of children together. And look, we're not one, but both your parents are megastars. That's just hard for children. But to give Robbins credit, he has not only managed to keep his children relatively out of the spotlight, he kept his new marriage so yep. quiet. People only found out when a split was announced. Yeah, it boggles the mind. There's a scene in the the comic show The Office where the characters of Ryan and Kelly walk into the middle of the office and they announce they're getting divorced and everyone says what you're not married and <laughs> they had eloped and divorced before they even made it back but the one thing I hear I noticed is it's just I wonder whether Susan Sarandon knows and I can tell you that in my personal situation I happen to be a divorced guy I am unmarried but if I do choose to get married I would need to tell my ex because 
I would forfeit my right to be on her insurance plan. <laughs> that may that may sound like a small detail, but actually there are some legal, we don't need to get so legal on it. This is a celebrity divorce here, but there might be some legal implications, right? Of someone remarrying that such that the ex would want to know or should need to know. I think there's a lot of reasons, right? Yeah. And you mentioned one of them, health insurance or the fact that kids exist from a prior marriage. So again, Tim Robbins managed to do something in this day and age, which is almost impossible. Keep a marriage secret. Yeah, well, the man crawled through 300 yards of foul-smelling stench or whatever that was. Anyway, <laughs> so I guess he's quite the sneaky guy. All right, number two on the docket, Counselor. Kiplinger.com reports an article on divorce tips to avoid a messy dog custody battle. So they say, before you get barking mad and take your fight to court, think about the consequences. Talking it out is almost always the better route, so say animal law experts. I'll give you one more quote. One of the saddest parts of a divorce is this question. California family law specialist attorney Glenn Rabin says, who keeps the family's pet? It is often a deeply emotional aspect of the divorce and difficult to reach compromise over as both sides love the animal. Now, this is hardly unexpected news, but... Evan, you've got the firsthand knowledge, the clients that you've worked with. Undoubtedly, there have been a few fights over furry uh, companions. <laughs> Dave, look, I've had clients who love their pets more than I think they love their children. But <laughs> this reminds me of a case, a landmark case in Manhattan, a 2013 case decided by the great New York County Supreme Court Justice Matthew Cooper. And in, in, in that case, there was a divorce, no children and a dog named Joey. And after much discussion and analysis, the court applied the best for all concerned standard. And the court determined that they would hold a hearing, a one-day hearing, giving each side the opportunity to demonstrate why each would benefit from having Joey, the dog <laughs> Joey, right. in their lives, and why Joey would have a better chance of living, prospering, loving, and being loved in the care of one party versus the other. And the court went on to, to note that in rendering a determination, the court would look at the history of who cared for Joey throughout the relationship. I do want to note that the standard for child custody in New York is not the best for all concerned standard, but the best interest of the children. So would stand to reason then that if, one party was getting custody or primary custody of the children. They would also get primary custody of a pet. So the pet gets to be with the kids. The analysis was similar. The mm. court made a point to distinguish the standard being applied. But Dave, look, I'll tell you what. I had a case five years ago, young couple, no kids, and a standard poodle. And at the time, my client lived in Westchester. And after the split, my client's husband moved to, I believe, upstate New York, I think Buffalo, mm. and they both love this poodle. They couldn't live without the standard poodle. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those things where we ended up negotiating a schedule for each of them mm. to see the poodle. And I remember because the exchange took place in Roscoe, New York, which is known for, I think, about two things, trout fishing mm. and the legendary Roscoe Diner. <laughs> Well, I just feel bad for that poor poodle. He's got to put a backpack on and get on the bus a couple times a week. For kids, how about the dog? <laughs> I, know. I know. All right. Well, great thoughts there. 
the next one and final item on the docket comes from InsideHook.com. Headline reads, Millennial divorce sounds way worse than actual divorce. Unmarried millennial couples are buying homes together and it's all fun and games till it's time to break up. So far, reads the article, millennials have gotten credit for bucking the divorce trend of generations before them. But while married millennials may be staying together, their unmarried peers weathering nasty pseudo divorces without even tying the knot. So it goes on here. It's just that these millennials are making up their own rules. And this is, in other words, these are millennial breakups, but they never bothered to get married. That doesn't necessarily mean the breakup is any more tidy. What do you think? Dave, there's so much to unpack here. And I'll tell you what, this may need a shine on podcast episode all to itself. Mm. In many ways, this touches on the institution of marriage, what it looks like now, and really a preview into what the institution of marriage may look like in the future. There's two things in the article I want to mention. Mm. The article touches on really the financial implications of divorce without a prenuptial agreement. And we've talked before here on the Shine On podcast, the benefits to having a prenuptial agreement prior to marriage to protect assets, protect income. And really, you have an agreement that sets forth the terms for how assets and income will be divided on divorce. The second point I want to make is the article also talks about how some people who choose not to get married and instead buy property together, have bank accounts together, And while for some, the hope is that if there's a split, it will be easier, it actually ends up being so much more difficult because the protections that are provided under the domestic relations law for a married couple do not extend in the same way to a couple who's not married. Coming up next on the Shannon podcast is an interview that you are not gonna wanna miss with Dr. Elizabeth Cohen, the divorce doctor. Our featured guest this week on the Shine Up podcast is Dr. Elizabeth Cohen. Dr. Cohen is a clinical psychologist located in New York City with over 15 years of experience specializing in cognitive behavioral treatment for adults, adolescents, and children. She is known as the divorce whisperer and the divorce doctor, and for good reason, as she has helped countless individuals all over navigate the complicated world of divorce. If you are thinking about starting the divorce process, going through a divorce, or trying to navigate post-divorce life, co-parenting, the world of dating, Dr. Cohen is someone you absolutely want by your side. Dr. Cohen has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, NBC News, the New York Post, the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and many other media outlets. She is also a contributor to Psychology Today. Dr. Cohen has a book coming out in April of this year titled Light on the Other Side of Divorce. And I know I'm excited to share this book with my clients, and I can't wait for the release. She's nice enough to join us. I appreciate the time. How are you? Good, Evan. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Of course. I appreciate that. And Dr. Cohen, I want to start by asking you about COVID and relationships. And as we approach the one-year mark of COVID and really life in quarantine, and a life for so many of us, which has been isolating, lonely, challenging, substitute whatever adjective you want, it's been hard. And if you're going through a divorce, it's even been harder. And there's been a lot of articles written about the effect of COVID on relationships and marriage 
Are divorce rates going up? Are they going down? Are couples staying together? Or are they splitting up? So I want to ask you, what are you seeing? What's fact? What's fiction? Yeah, I'm really glad you brought this up, Evan, because the data isn't fully out yet. But we have to remember that during March, April, May, courts were closed, right? So we have this big backlog. So I, I really, I wonder what you think, but I, I think that some of it is a backlog if you see the increase in numbers. I'm not sure it's directly related to COVID. I will say that this is what I'm seeing is happening. Many people who are in relationships that are struggling had ways of coping before COVID that were quickly taken away. For example, I have a client who really felt not emotionally connected to their partner and they would go to work and they had this really great friend. They called it their work husband and they would chat. There was nothing romantic. It would just knew what was going on with the kids, would always chat and, and she felt filled up. So then when she went home, again, not consciously, she wouldn't necessarily need that much from her husband. March 15th comes, no more work husband or the work husband over Zoom is not the same thing. There's no water cooler, right? So that way of getting your needs met or meeting with your girlfriends or male friends on a Wednesday night and a Friday night, like all of these things that sometimes sustain people in relationships where they're not getting enough is not there. And so I do think that people were, their experiences of wanting to potentially consider divorce was sped up. So that's how I see it. I see it more as we know from our work that it takes people a long time to decide. They don't decide on Monday and come and file for divorce on Friday, right? There's a time in between. I think COVID has kind of sped that up. That, that's what I'm seeing. And that's such a great point. And, and, and I've been saying here on the Shine On podcast and what I'm seeing in my practice that I think we're going to see really the effect or increase on divorces, the effect of COVID on relationships We're seeing it now, but I think we'll see it really down the road whenever life goes back to normal, whatever that looks like, right? Whenever people are spending more time out of the house, people are going to an office, going to gyms, going to restaurants. Mm -hmm. I think that's when we'll really see the effect and fallout and really the impact of how COVID affected relationships. Absolutely. And I think that I have a couple of clients and maybe you do too, Evan, who sadly were getting separated right when COVID hit and now have been stuck in the house with the person they have decided they're going to divorce. There's probably nothing worse, right, than than that. And so I think a lot of people who might want to are going to wait until there can be more freedom. Well, absolutely. You make such a great point. And I think there's also an effect kids are learning remotely, right? Schools, it's people are working from home. I have clients who are asking me to speak at six in the morning or 10 o'clock at night because they have no time to talk. And so they're going for walks, you know, around the block or walks in Central Park just to have conversations with me, their divorce attorney. And I think it's a hard time for people emotionally, financially. And you're right. You take the person who was contemplating divorce early 2020, and then bam, COVID hit. And any plans to move forward were really put on hold in terms of separation, transition, and that has to be super hard. It's so hard because the feelings haven't changed. In fact, the resentment might have even gotten worse, right? Or the feelings of disconnect are getting worse, but the physical environment isn't changing. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about kids, and I'm thinking also, I hadn't thought of this until you just brought this up, which is 
what it's going to be like for parents who just spent all this time co-parenting in the same house, then to tell their kids they're separating. Because I can really, part of what I always say to clients when they're going to tell their kids is remember, your family is incredibly important, but they have a whole other life, right? They have friends, they have school. So remember, like they're not going to be thinking about the divorce all the time. But if they don't have anything else. <laughs> well, and I, and I think if we're going to touch on that, it's a perfect, perfect transition. Why do parents struggle getting on the same page, delivering a mm. unified message to their kids? Mommy and daddy are separating. We're going through a divorce. Here's the plan. Why do parents in, in, in high conflict relationships have so much trouble separating themselves from the conflict? getting on the same page and really delivering an appropriate unified message to their kids. I'm so glad you're asking this question. And I, I think I have a deep amount of empathy for people who are going through this. This is why I do the work that I do. If you have so much resentment towards your ex that you want to say to your kids, your father is doing this to me, please come to me first. Let me help you work through that resentment and rage and anger. The reason why people do that is because they have unprocessed anger and they think that getting their kids on their side is somehow going to make them feel better. And I am here to say the worst thing you can do for your child is to talk smack about the other parent. I might even ask you to repeat that because th yeah. th that is so important because I, I litigate for a living and I'm in yeah. court before COVID. I spent more time in a courtroom than in my own living room. Yeah. Now it's in a virtual world. <laughs> and every judge, the first thing a judge is going to say, don't speak negatively about the other parent. Exactly. Don't discuss the case or your litigation no. with no. your kids. Your so I'm going to ask you not, to say it again because yeah. th that, was, that was brilliant. It was brilliant. Yeah. Your kid is not your friend. Never, ever, if there's one rule, never, ever talk smack about your ex to the other person, to the to your child. Do not talk smack about your ex to your child. They have to have a relationship with both of you. You are hurting them and setting them up for a very uncomfortable situation if you talk negatively. When you had at work a coworker who talked really poorly about your boss, and then you would go in for a raise and didn't know what to say when you went to talk to your coworker. Sure. Imagine that times a thousand, right? We, your children to be connected and healthy individuals need to have a relationship with both parents, period, end of story. And even if that parents, can I swear on this? Sure. Even if that parent's an asshole, even if that parent is not thoughtful, they still need to have a relationship. My old therapist, when I was in therapy, I would say, oh, I just wish my ex was dead. Like if he was dead, it would be so much easier. <laughs> and she said to me, she said, you know what? Even if he was dead, the kids would still have a relationship with him. Like they always have a relationship with the other parent. It's true. And I see in my practice, and you're so spot on because I see all the time how hard it is for parents to separate themselves from the conflict. And look, children are per per perceptive. They're smart. They're going to yeah. pick up on cues. They're going to pick up on things. And you said it brilliantly. You don't want to talk smack about the other parent to your kids. It's an absolute no-no. The judge is not going to want to hear it. It's exactly. not good for the relationship. It's not good for anyone. Exactly. Therapy, 
is where you need to talk about your rage and your resentment, not in the courtroom and not to your children. And if you're talking to your children about it, I want to have, I have so much empathy for you. Maybe you need more support. You don't want to be doing this to your kids, but maybe you feel like you can't talk to other people. There are so, there's so much support out there for you. Please don't put them in that position. And by the way, I want to say this too, because you have young kids, no matter how young they are, they know what we're talking about. Even if you're four rooms away, okay, they know exactly what we're talking about. And if they hear you talking smack, you know what they realize? Oh, my parent talks smack about people. When are they going to start talking smack about me? And that is very dangerous. It's such a great point. And Dr. Cohen, I want to ask you, I find a lot of my clients, I consult with people for years. And there's clients that I have who they're afraid to take the next step, to to think about what the process will look like, what the second act, the second chapter for, for him or her is going to look like as well. And I often hear, I want to stay in it for the kids. And so mm. I want to ask you, there's so many studies out there that talks about when is the right time to get divorced based on the ages of your children. And I think the other side to it, as I mentioned, staying in an unhappy, unaffectionate relationship and marriage, what your kids see and witness. So I want to ask you your thoughts. Great. Such a great question. So I get this all the time too. How many times do I hear, I'm just going to wait till the kids go off to college when it won't, you know, have that much of an impact on them. First of all, your divorce separating will have an impact on them, period, end of story. Like, let's just accept that. This isn't like, let's do a dance to try to make this less painful. Like, it's going to be what it's going to be. Research shows that it is much more detrimental to children to be in a house where people are cold, passive aggressive, or aggressive than to be in two households where both people are happy. Most of the kids I work with who've gone through divorce say, I can't believe how much happier my parent is. And I say this often to people who say to me, they want to wait. I say, tell me what would happen if your 13 year old came to you and said, I just started high school. I'm a bus to school. I met this really cool person and they want to date me. So I'm going to date them. And I realized after a little bit that I actually don't like them that much. They're not the nicest and they don't really understand me, but I'm going to hang out with them until I, until I graduate because there's not that many people around here and why not stay? What would you say to your 13 year old? You'd say, what are you talking about? Right? (laughs) You would never let somebody do that who you love. Why are you doing that to yourself? Why is, why are you taking any more breaths in a relationship or in a space that doesn't serve you? And the truth is you may not make it as husband and wife, but you can figure out how to make it as co-parents for your kids in post-divorce world. And I think that there's a fear, there's a concern, but I think if, if people think through it, how you want your kids to experience their parents yes. and, and, and the interactions are likely to be better. They will be better if there was a separation, if you would see your parents happy in a place where they're getting along with one another from a co-parenting relationship. Right. And you learn that when something's not working, I say, I'm done. That is a, that is an important. Do you want your kid to stay in a job forever that they hate? Do you want them to stay in a relationship that they hate? Do you want them to stay in a city? They No, you're spending all this time trying to teach your kids probably to have a voice and be an advocate for themselves, but you're not modeling it. And modeling is how we teach. I have a masterclass that I have on my website called how to make sure not to screw up your kids secrets bias from a psychologist. And I teach a lot about this because that is, I don't know if you find this in your practice. That's like the number one thing people are afraid of doing. 
Absolutely. Right? No, we're, we're going to get into that. And it's, it's such an incredibly important point you make. And Dr. Cohen, I want to transition a little bit and talk yeah. about the divorce process yeah. and something everybody wants to know, how do you get through it and when it's going to be over? Mm. And in my practice as a divorce attorney, I hear all day, every day, Evan, my friend recommends you file this motion. My mm. coworker says you should do this. And my all-time favorite is my gym trainer recommends <laughs> that we do that. And I, I, I got to tell you, I love when the trainer plays attorney. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> so, so I want to ask you, how does someone going through the divorce process really tune out and turn uh-huh. out the noise from the outside? Oh, such a good question. So you and I both, we've talked about this. We believe in this so much that you have a team. Right. So when you're going through a divorce, you have your trusted team, you have your trusted attorney like you, you have a therapist and a healer like me, you have your financial coach, you, you have a team and you decide, remember, you're the, cus- you're the customer, you decide who is safe enough to come into that team. And those are the people that you talk to. I really want to point out that we have a tendency to go to people for advice especially if we know they're going to give us bad advice. I don't know why we do this, but we usually know exactly what people are going to tell us. Think about all the people we know in our life. We know what they're going to say. And we go to the people, I call them naysayers, who are going to be more negative because I think somehow we think then we can convince them. I'm not exactly sure why we do this, but we constantly do it. Go to your cheerleaders. Go to the people who believe in you. Go to the people who know you can handle anything. Anyone who wants to shit talk your ex, don't talk to them. Anyone who wants to talk to you about how terrible being divorced is, don't talk to them. Stay around people who believe that you can move through this. Such a great point. And I have to tell you, I've never had a trainer agree with me yet on the best course of action. (laughs) And if you have any tips on how many reps I should do, I'll ask you. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Dr. Cohen, I want to ask you about the feelings that people have when they're going through a divorce and mm-hmm. whether it's loneliness and a feeling of loss. And yeah. I know you work with women and, and, and men as well. We're going through a divorce and you offer such wonderful support groups and really a community for people either who have gone through the process or who are currently going through it. Mm-hmm. That feeling of loneliness and loss, mm-hmm. how real is it? And how can being part of a support group where other people have gone through it and people are really working with someone who specializes in helping them get through this. How important is that? I think it's essential. I think one of the things that really differentiates me from a typical divorce coach is that I've been trained as a psychologist to work on loss and grief. That's Divorce coaches are wonderful and they have been trained to focus kind of on the future a lot. I can do that, but I also really want to focus on What are you grieving? What were you hoping was going to happen that didn't happen? Very often, I wonder if you see this in your practice, Evan, I feel like people jump over that part. And then it's, I like to say, like it comes out sideways. That's what some of the, I think, rage at court is too. It's like unprocessed grief. Like we need to know that even though you hate this person now in high conflict, at one point you wanted to have a life with them. And where we have to honor that, we have to honor that that it, you went through that. And so I think you can have that with an individual therapist or someone like me, or you can also have that in a group. So you, as you were saying, with support with other people, you can see another person going through it and think, oh, I hear the grief in that. You don't just hear the anger, you can hear the sadness and the grief. And I see it all the time in my practice where the stuff and things that people are fighting over, People lose sight of 
the fact that you're right. You, at one point in time, you said, I do. You got married, you had kids. And I think people, unfortunately, and very easily lose sight of what's important and the conflict that they're embattled in. It just absorbs every thought, every waking moment. Going through a divorce, it's a full-time job. It's yeah. very hard to navigate the ups and downs of the process unless you have the benefit of education, support, and as you mentioned, really the right team and right professionals in your corner. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Dr. Cohen, I want to ask you about the importance of physical and mental health while going through a divorce. And to me, this is so incredibly important. I have clients who are avid runners, swimmers, do yoga twice a day. I have clients who box, which is my all-time favorite thing. Oh, cool. I'm, I'm totally lost without boxing in a gym right now. It's I absolutely love it. Oh, yeah. Brothers, maybe it's playing the guitar or listening to music. Now, divorce is it, it's a process that it's filled with many emotions, highs and lows. And I always tell my clients, find time for yourself mm-hmm. during the process, right? Find things, do things that give you pleasure, whether it's going out for dinner or spending a night out with friends or family. Don't lose sight of yourself during the process and find time to do things you love. How yes. important is that? Well, they're lucky to have you as an attorney, someone who focuses on that's really lovely. So I'm really lucky to have you. I think it's essential for what you said earlier about how going through a divorce is a full-time job. So you are suddenly, you have to know everything about your finances and you have to understand the legal world and you're just overwhelmed and you're having huge emotional waves and shifts. So self-care is essential. I do want to say that the way that I teach self-care is to be really specific and start really small. So people will say to me, what, I don't have time to do self-care. I don't have time to do something for myself. And, or they'll say, what the hell does that even mean? So I'll say, okay, do you like taking a bath? Sometimes in New York, people are like, no, my bath is disgusting. Which is a whole other issue. But sure. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But okay, let's say you like taking baths. Okay, can you take a bath for 15 minutes, three nights a week? Right. So really specific, really recorded. And then can you keep an eye on how you feel when you do that? You mentioned moving your body. I like to talk about moving your body because we need to move emotions through our body. And research shows that if, especially if you're going through a depression, there's, if you do physical exercise, cardiovascular exercise for four to five days a week, it has some antidepressant effects. And so I do encourage that, but a lot of people are like, I don't have time to run. Okay. Walk around the block every morning. That's it. So really small. I would say, yes, self-care is important, but start small. Otherwise you'll blow yourself out and you won't be able to do it. Oh, that's such a great point. And Dr. Cohen, I want to tell you a little story. I had someone, a client that I've been consulting with for about six, seven months, probably since summer of 2020. She called me the other day and mm-hmm. She was just served with divorce papers and three kids. And when she was talking to me, her voice was, she was shaking. She was crying. She could barely complete a sentence without crying. She was scared. She was afraid. She was lonely. And she was telling me how afraid she was as to what would happen with her kids, her house, and her job. And I know you work with clients at all stages of divorce. And I want to ask you, what would you want someone to know about the divorce process from the emotional side, the ups, the downs, mm-hmm. the roller coaster that is divorce 
at the beginning of the process? So one thing I would say first is to know that it is going to constantly shift and to get off your own back about trying to decide how your divorce is going. One of my least favorite questions is, how are you doing today? The answer to that is, well, this morning I was bad. Right now I'm feeling kind of joyful. Later I'll probably be sad. Like, just to be open to the fact that there is no one right answer and to notice when you're shaky and to notice I'm feeling really scared right now, just to name the emotion. With the person who called you, one strategy I would suggest in that moment would say, okay, take a minute. When Do me a favor. Anytime someone feels overwhelmed, I say, do me a favor, look around the room you're in and see if you can spot three blue things. Okay, and now see if you can spot two red things. And now let's see if you can spot one yellow thing. What it does is it helps slow down the nervous system and ground the person in the moment. We can, none of us can have, can, can imagine managing a divorce on day one because we don't manage a divorce on day one. We do it one hour at a time. I love that. And you mentioned the tips, the advice, the strategies. I know from our prior conversations, you have a divorce toolkit, which we've spoken about, which I think is so incredibly valuable and important really to give people the techniques, tools, and information to get through the process. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about a few of those. I know the list goes on and on and there's the tips are fantastic. Thank you. Let's talk about a few of your favorite, a few top things that you recommend to people to help get through a divorce. Great. So the first is really to start thinking about your divorce. So I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist. The cognitive piece of that, the C in CBT, is how we think about things impacts how we feel. So really start looking at your thoughts. How are you naming your divorce? So in my toolkit, I have some affirmations where we can start looking at the divorce, the thoughts around the divorce differently. Are you thinking divorce is a failure? Are you thinking it means I'm broken? Does it mean that you made a huge mistake? Let's challenge those. What would it be like to say, my relationship came to its perfect conclusion? What would it, right? What would it be like to say, I did everything I could and now it's time to let go? Really to change how you actually think about your experience. That's the first tool. And I would think changing the mindset is so important, not only to help someone get through divorce, but as they transition to really living their best post-divorce life, the second chapter, the second act. And I want to ask you, how do you get someone in their darkest days of the divorce process to believe that life will be okay, that they'll find love again, that they'll yeah. date again, that the second chapter, the second act may even be that much better than the first? What a great question. I just had this yesterday with someone who was just heartbroken. And what I always do is I look for, that's why the book is called The Light at the Other Side of Divorce. I look for the light within that person. I believe that people who get divorced are superheroes because you've said something isn't working or you've accepted that someone else wants out of the marriage. And I look for that strength and I try to reflect it. So I would say in this case, it was that this woman sat with, she just happened to flippantly mention that her son was a concert pianist. She mentioned it when she was saying something negative about her ex, actually. And I said, wow, you must, you helped him become a concert pianist. 
You sat with him. Tell me about when you sat with him. Tell me about what you did to help support him. So if you can focus on something about yourself that has is a strength, having nothing to do with the marriage, you are tapping into your light and your possibility. The problem is when you've been in an unhappy marriage for a long time, your light gets dimmed and dimmed and dimmed and dimmed. You can't even see it anymore. So look for your light. I love that. And I love your word choice of superhero because I think anyone who gets through a divorce and could, could find the positive and find the strength to move forward with kids, without kids, and to be happy on the other side. I think it's absolutely incredible. And your word choice of superhero is, is, is spot on. <laughs> Thanks. And, and Dr. Cohen, I want to ask you about your book, mm-hmm. which comes out on April 13th, 2021, yes. titled Light on the Other Side of Divorce. And as I mentioned, I'm excited really for my clients and for so many people out there to get their hands on this incredible book as it's filled with tremendous insight and advice. Tell us your inspiration behind the book. So my inspiration behind the book was really my story. So I got divorced 11 years ago, and this was before there was a lot of resources for people. There's still not a ton. There's a lot of divorce coaches, but there isn't a comprehensive program. And I remember Googling like divorce recovery program, and I found nothing. I actually found this funny like retreat in upstate New York that was run by a elderly lady. It was very funny, but uh, I couldn't find anything. And so I was fortunate. I'm very privileged of having a PhD. And so I was able to connect to people and, and do some work on my own and piece something together, but I didn't want anyone else to have to do that. So I created this book, this comprehensive treatment program, essentially based on an online program I have so that people could do it themselves. And if you don't have any money to go to therapy, you can take it out of the library. And it is a clear guide on how to shift your thinking, your experience to learn, heal and grow through divorce. And it has work worksheets in it. It has active things that you can actually do. And Dr. Cohen, in addition to the book, which again, I'm excited for, you mentioned the worksheets and the resources and yeah. the toolkit. I know you also have a program called Afterglow. Yeah, that's my tell, online program. Yeah. Tell, tell us about that. So Afterglow is a program um, designed specifically for women with uh, 13 videos of me teaching and then action-oriented behavioral plans that you can take into and take into the world. And I walk you through how to deal with self-care, how to deal with dating again, how to change your thinking, really how to shift your entire experience of divorce into thriving, not just surviving. And then once people are in that, they can join a membership of other women who are going through divorce to hear their experience, to learn from experts, to really get the support they need from people who know what it's like. And you mentioned something I think is so important. People who know what it's like, people who have gone through the process or going through the process, you use the word superhero. You now use the word thriving. Those words are, are, are spot on because it really gets to the core of what the book is about. Finding your light post-divorce, being in a position to move forward in a really productive way and living a happy post-divorce life. Yes, and that you can. And I, I want to share also, I have a podcast that's launching next week. It's called The Divorce Doctor Podcast. And on it, I interview people who tell their story. This is the importance of hearing other people's stories. I would have died to hear other people's stories. I really thought I was alone. And this is a, these are where pe- women and men share their stories and talk about the pain, but also the growth and the healing. I just interviewed someone. It was like, she talked about how she moved from absolute despair to finding her perfect life. So 
it's you're not alone. And there's so many resources that I want to provide and help people with to see that you can do this differently. Dr. Cohen, it's absolutely fantastic. And the one thing that I would say, because I see it in my practice, yeah. is there's having someone be part of a group, part of a network, work with someone like yourself, really in the beginning of the process to help them sort out really the, the roller coaster, as we talked about, that divorce is, the ups and downs, the highs and lows. Some days are going to be better than others. Mm-hmm. How important is it to, to, to have that education, to have that knowledge, to have that team that we talked about in the beginning, as opposed to down the road? Oh my gosh. I think you can save thousands of dollars by getting really clear on what is on your side of the street, what's on their side of the street, what you need to release, what you need to work on. I think that imagine if people went into any other business deal, for example, with the heightened emotion of divorce, it would also take three years. The reason divorces take three years or can take a long time is because of the emotion behind it. So if you can get some help to understand, release, I don't want to even say manage, but just work with your emotions so it doesn't come out in court, that's amazing. And I get it. When I was in court, I remember thinking to myself, I want to lose it. I just want to scream. I want to be one of those people who's screaming in family court. But I knew it would be a waste (laughs) of my time. It would feel good in the short term, but in the long term, it would be a really big waste of time. And not to say I didn't. There were things where I would go off and my lawyer would say, this is a complete waste of time. But I felt like I had to say it. But if you can have someone who can help support you on the outside, then you don't have to try to get the support from the judge. I'm sure you see this all the time, like wanting the judge to get your point. Like that's not the point of this, right? And and, and that's the mistake that I find people make, which is people are looking for the judge to agree. They're looking for vindication. They're yes. looking for the judge validation. to yep. yeah, validation. They're looking for the judge to to, to yell at their spouse. Yes. And right. you know what? It's not worth the time or money. It, it's there's a better process, a better way. Yeah. If you have a team of professionals, and I don't want to say it's right. mandatory, but it, but in my practice, I pretty much insist that clients work with a team of professionals, but really the right people, because I yes. think as you said having the right resources, the right attorney, the right therapist, the right financial advisor. It is so incredibly important as to what the process will look like going forward. Yeah. I want to share a story too, that I spent a long time wanting my ex to apologize for neglecting us and the family. Like I spent years wanting that. And then when I worked on it in therapy and really worked on releasing it, it took a while. And then lo and behold, about two months later, guess what he said, right? Once I was ready to let it go, it came. And I didn't even, and it didn't even land and I didn't even care. But the thing is that all that energy that I had wanting him to say something was a waste of time. Huge waste of time. Waste of my time, waste of his time. And you, and also I, I say to the people in my program, I talk about righteous anger and I read about this in the book. Like you have every right to be angry. We're not saying you can't be angry. You are right. But it is not the, the court is and custody. Like, that's not the place to talk about the anger. Let's talk about it with me. Dr. Collins, another phrase I love, righteous anger. You're absolutely spot on. And I got to tell you, this was absolutely fantastic. I feel like there's so much here to unpack, and we're going to have to have you on for I will come back. another episode in the future. <laughs> that, that is fantastic. And this was really great. Tell us where people could pre-order the book and where can people find you? 
Great. Thank you. So you can find me at drelizabethcohen.com, which is drelizabethcohen.com. And I have a page on my website for my book. The book is available on Amazon. It's on Am available on Barnes and Noble. And it's also available at for pre-order at local indie bookstores, which I want to support as well. Dr. Cohen, this is really great. Thank you for coming on the Shine Up podcast. Thanks for having me. Dave, what a show. Episode five of the Shine Up podcast in the books. This was absolutely tremendous. Thank you to everyone for listening to the Shine Up podcast. And thank you to Dr. Elizabeth Cohen, the divorce doctor, the divorce whisperer. Absolutely tremendous stuff. Just amazing. Such valuable insight. You can pre-order a copy of Dr. Cohen's book today in advance of the official release date on April 13th. You can follow her on Instagram, LinkedIn, and find all the information about her and her programs and resources on her website, DrElizabethCohen.com. To the listeners on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen to your podcast, thank you for listening. If you like what we're doing here on the Shine Up Podcast, please hit the subscribe button and leave a review. You can follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm Evan Shine, and we'll talk to you again real soon.